a Baptist church, one of the biggest stages of the civil rights movement. It's 60 years after pivotal events shook the South. This is UF FAMU 1963, a project in which 11 students from two Florida universities traveled along a large part of the U.S. Civil Rights Trail during their spring break. I'm Sarah Sowers, and this is Welcome to Alabama. As the fight for civil rights spread across the South in April 1963, the 16th Street Baptist Church became the de facto home of the Birmingham Campaign, a formal movement to attack segregation. The campaign would bring even more national attention to how black Americans suffered from discrimination and inequality because of laws legalizing segregation and separate but equal traditions. Martin Luther King Jr. was among many arrested during the Birmingham campaign when he wrote his famous Letter from a Birmingham Jail. But perhaps even more influential, the city's youth, hundreds of them, day by day, started to get involved. Olivia White remembers that time very well. All I'm saying, freedom wasn't free. It cost some things. White, a pianist who was just 13 at the time, used her musical talents to inspire and comfort many helping the movement move across Alabama. She played the piano in churches, both at Sunday services and at organization meetings led by prominent activists. I did work with Dr. King, I worked with uh, Fred Shuttleworth, I worked with um, Reverend T.Y. Rogers, and I traveled all over the country with Jesse Jackson and others for years. But the sounds of the South were not always as peaceful as her piano playing in the background of acoustic Alabama churches. Nonviolence was central to the civil rights movement, taking pain from discrimination and turning it into power through what King called redemptive suffering. White typically abided by this mantra, except for that one time, when her heart and soul was threatened beyond measure. White came home one afternoon to see her mother and children before going out again. She was sitting with her three-year-old daughter in the bay window in the front of the house. And there was a noise, pow! Someone threw a big rock through our window and it missed my daughter very, very close, so much that it left a scar on her head. It didn't go into her head, but it went past her head. And we all were so nervous, I thought my child was, you know, really injured. White left her daughter with her mother. She looked outside and saw the boy who threw the rock into the house, still there on the street. Her maternal instinct kicked in. I ran outside. I saw the boy running. I ran behind him, I caught him, I beat him, I took my pistol and I beat him instead of killing him. But that was the angriest time that I ever experienced in saying that I was not violent. Nobody in the movement knew that I was that violent that night, but he tried to kill my child. That was a lot of cause to be involved in the civil rights movement. She said she never let her rage get to her again. Instead, she channeled her passion into marching. She remembers a time before she was a mother, too, working as a youth choir director with T.Y. Rogers. 
White was in her early 20s when she drove some of the choir members from town to town in her own car to various marches. She remembers an especially treacherous drive one time while leading a caravan of children through the back roads of Alabama. The National Guard had staked out this road. That didn't stop her. And the moment they see me pull out, the chiefs pulled out behind me. I was like, damn. And they followed me for a good 20 miles. The faster she went, the faster they drove to keep up with her. The cars were loaded with children, five to six in each one. And some of the kids started getting nervous and they started screaming. I said, listen, nobody can scream in the car. The only thing you can do is pray. She wasn't afraid. She knew the dusty country roads like the back of her hand, including where there was a really bad curve. If a person didn't know, some things could happen. So when I got to the intersection, I, I cut my lights off, just had my, you know, the, the little parking lights on, and I took the curve probably doing 80 miles an hour. By the time they made it to where they needed to go, White realized the supplies for the children she was expecting to find had been raided. She would have to do the same drive again, even if it meant facing the same danger she had just come through. I was willing to die to get those children where they needed to go and get them back home safe. Her love for children reminds her of 16th Street Baptist Church. She had been there with 36 children and joined many others marching two weeks prior to the bombing that killed those four little girls. And just to know someone was evil enough to wait for Sunday school and do the bombing, and a life was lost. She knew one of the little girls, Denise McNair. Her father was a photographer for the choir. I knew Mr. McNair, and it was so hard for me to bring my group back to Birmingham. These are kids her age, and to come to her funeral. That's when I knew the price of fear. All of these events deeply affected her. White left Alabama and headed north to pursue a career in nursing. But discrimination followed her there. When I got to New York, I found just as much prejudice in New York as I ever found in Alabama. Reflecting on the last 60 years, White talks about fear and racism. I really think racism is based upon a trick in your mind of inferiority. And she has advice for the young people of today. You guys are the ambassador that will carry on when I'm dust. Never give up on living and loving people because there's goodness in all of us. And I was willing to die for that. On the next episode of this three-part series, we will meet former Alabama Attorney General Bill Baxley and learn how he brought justice to the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing victims. This has been Welcome to Alabama, a series commemorating pivotal moments in the fight for civil rights across the South. Sarah Sowers, WUFT News.